Welcome to the Mobile App Makers Podcast, the podcast where I interview mobile app creation experts from all disciplines so we can learn from them. Welcome, everybody. Today, I'd like to welcome Vandril Pruvot with me. He's the CEO of Extra Life, and Extra Life provides backend service for games. And one of the things that attracted me to bring him in for an interview is answering that eternal question of what kind of backend do I need for my mobile application? Do I need to build my own? Do I need to use a service? So hopefully we'll get a good answer on that. But also the other thing that attracted me to getting me for an interview is the fact that he's lived in four different countries. He's lived and worked in the US, Canada, Singapore, and France, and has been in the game industry, mobile game industry since 2001, when he worked on some black and white game for the Nokia phones. We'll have to ask for names of those games because I, I'm not sure there's been that many. Welcome, Vendril. Do you want to tell us a little bit more and introduce yourself? Hi, hi everybody. You've done the most of the introduction, um, but to, to add to what you say, I've been working a, a lot into into sales and marketing and launch B2B and B2C uh, services in more than 50 countries and signed B2B contract in more than 50 countries as well. Uh, so I definitely have a pretty international overview of, of everything that's going on in the mobile world, let's put it this way. And so can you tell a bit more about the services that Extra Life provides, just to give a bit of context to our interview? It's fairly simple. Um, it's everything that is needed to be done on the server side to run a game properly. So everything we, we call cloud in a very short version. And you, you can hear the word that you just mentioned, backend as well, backend services. So. Obviously, you have a lot of things going on on the client, on the phones, when you build your mobile app or your mobile game. Uh, there, there needs to be a lot of things on the, on the server side for security and man, many other reasons and the social aspects as well. Uh, that's what we provide. And we do specialize in the gaming side of, of the business because there are two main things uh, that are a bit different between apps and games, but they do cross uh, each other. The first thing is games really need to be cross-platform because you, it's very difficult to, to build a, and, and to make money out of a game which is only or on iOS or only on Android. And the game engines and game development tools, which you, you might heard about, might have heard about called Unity or Unreal or all that things, are, are definitely cross-platform. Whereas in mobile app development, uh, some some of the the development uh, are done native format, native scripting. So that's that's the first main part. And second is when you're a very successful game, you need to be able to scale extremely fast. There are games in in this world that has that um, have sorry tens of millions of daily active users, which is a bit bit uh, harder for for apps. So scalability is really a very important issue in, in the gaming world. But it is in, in the mobile uh, apps as well, and that's what we're definitely going to discuss. And so how did the idea of founding Extra Life came to you? Like, what got it started? I'm not one of the founders of the company. I only joined five years ago, the, the, but the company is, uh, is, is uh, now 10 years, 10 years old. And my um, 
associate started that because 10 years ago was the first successes of the likes of Candy Crush and the first social games on Facebook and everything. And that's where the real scalability issue started. When, when you had games starting to have 10 or hundreds of millions of downloads and uh, tens of millions of players at the same time, which would have uh, post scores on leaderboards and exchange lives and stuff. And to be able to do that, you, you, you need a very heavy server, uh, very good server services, and definitely uh, you need scalability. So that's where it all started. Feeling that most of the games that would need these features and these services were extremely generic. I mean, uh, a backend is always the same, has always the same logic, and you don't really need to reinvent the wheel when, when a lot of things are provided already. So that's where it all started. And how, as a, as a developer or as a founder, how does it compare to use Extra Life versus using you know, the other cloud services like AWS, Firebase, or for, for your game backend? You have to separate the servers themselves, which are AWS, Google Cloud, OVH, and your own bare metal and, and everything, which are really servers. What we do is server softwares. So we're 100% agnostic. So our software can run on AWS, on Google Cloud, or on Tencent Cloud if you want. Anything works. That's very important because a lot of companies, including Google that has Firebase or AWS that has uh, game services and so on and so forth, they tend to package these two together to have everybody in the same ecosystem. Whereas you can use everything, but you can have two different providers for the two different services, which is, I believe, very important. So really, when I use, for example, Google Firebase for my mobile app and use the Firestore, what you're saying is that there's the server that they have on which they run their Firestore Firebase software. And so if you could split the two, essentially, you're using the same kind of server as they do or from another provider. And then you're providing your very own dedicated software layer specialized for games that you deployed on the server. Is that correct? It's correct. And the whole point is that I believe, I strongly believe that for mobile apps and mobile games, the value of a company, the value of an app is the data, which is built from the usage and built for the users. Of, the, of this uh, app in-game. And if you have your data handled by one server company and one software, you're actually hands-tied with this company and you never know what this company can do with these data. As you, as you know, all these data can be stored in the US, which means US government can have access to it, which is required by law. And at the end of the day, you hand a very important part of the value of your company to somebody you cannot control, which I believe is a very, very big strategic mistake. That's extremely important to me. Well, that's a, a perfect segue in my next question, which you, you just gave a con of using those, you know, AWS, Firebase, Azure as a backend for your service, as in you hand over the data to those providers. Are there other cons and pros 
to using those services as opposed to building your own? The biggest cons, I, I believe, is the cost, which when you scale, when you start, these large companies usually give away a lot of US dollars, $10,000 and worth of, of servers and stuff. But whenever you scale, you end up uh, having a very big bill. I have one very simple example. We had a client who had a very quite successful game. The, the soft launch was doing, was doing great. They were doing $10,000 a month with only 2,000 players and KPIs were great. But they did not, they were not the best in terms of building their own their um, uh, software on the back end. They decided to build them themselves. And at the end of the day, the whole server side cost them 10,000 US dollars. So they eat up the whole revenue of the game just for the servers. And that actually killed the game because of that because they didn't have the knowledge. Oh, they weren't able to fix it and make it profitable? Exactly, because it was too big of a hassle to rewrite the whole thing properly and on, on cheaper servers and stuff. So a big con is the price when it comes to scaling. And pros is obviously it's easier because everything is on the same environment. They give away tools that are very nice, easier to use for a lot of parts. Firebase is almost included uh, seamlessly in Flutter, for instance. There's a lot of pros, I would say, to start or, or to, to kind of uh, do some tests and soft launch and stuff. Uh, but in the long run, it can be a very heavy burden for the, the business of a, of a company. So do you have any advice on how to navigate like it sounds like at the beginning it's a great idea because it allows you to go faster it's pretty cheap but in the long term once you're successful that's when the bill comes and it's expensive like is there a way to navigate that transition do you have any advice on how to navigate in you know as good as possible a way my first advice is make sure either you have a good technical understanding of this or your CTO has a very good understanding of this and the main point is every single engineer and technical director and software developer they are very happy and they like to be proud of their own what they built they like to build things and they like to be proud of what they build and a very usual mistake is that when you're too proud of what you do you want to rewrite code that is already available or you want to uh, reinvent the wheel just because you will have the satisfaction to have done it yourself. That's a mistake I see every single day. So two mistakes. One is not having the proper skill set when you think, oh yeah, launching an app and launching a game is easy. I just have to learn Flutter. I just have to learn Unity and everything's going to be fine. This is not going to be fine. This is going to be great for your two first 10,000 users, and then the whole thing will crumble. And second, you have to be humble. If you're too proud of what you're building, it's not going to work. Because one, when you launch a product, you are always wrong. The users are going to be right. I've launched tens of products, and every time I say, oh, this is going to be great, it's going to work like this, people will love it. And most of the time, people do love 
a lot, but they say, no, it has to be this way and that way and that way. And if you're too proud to not to change what you're building, then it's not going to work. And that's the same. You have to be humble and say, okay, maybe someone in this world, you have millions of developers, millions of software developers and, and, and open source software, because we're going to get that to, to that later. But lots of people have done that. So just make sure you give value to product and building another, yet another internal backend does not give any value to your project. But that, that is this, the case for a lot of things. Uh, that's good advice. Being able to reuse stuff and being willing to ship something that is not perfect is like the eternal advice that we hear everywhere. And it's a great advice. If you had a founder coming to you and asking you for advice as to whether they should build their own custom backend or use a backend as a service, what question would you ask him to help him make the right decision? First is, where do you want to spend your money? So building a backend is just, just a matter of $500,000, $1 million. So if you just raise $20 million, who cares? Do whatever you want with your money. Um, <laughs> so if you want, to, if you want to, to feel great and, and splash $1 million on, on the backend team, go for it. Enjoy the ride. My point is, so what exactly do you want to build and what is the value, the, com your, the company you want to build? Where is the value? Is the value a technical value? Are you going to build a software company or are you building a service or are you building a game? I don't believe one minute that the Uber or Uber Eats, for instance, they're a great software company, but their software is only a small part of what they do. What they, the real value is the network of driver, the network of restaurant they've built, and how it works perfectly between this network of professional and the end user. They're not, I mean, their software, their software is important, but that's not 90% of the value of the company. It's a small percentage of the value of the company. One of the problems that I've met multiple times is as a developer, I always have a lot of side project ideas. And it's exactly this, like I can build the app, no problem. But then shipping it and building the community that needs to go behind it and doing the marketing and essentially all the other work, which is kind of foreign to me, is always where I fail. But, you know, I keep trying. So it's, a, it's fun to do. You've worked on a lot of projects. You've worked in multiple countries. All of the advice that you've given so far, like how does it change or does it change at all for companies that want to expand to multiple markets? Like what does the internationalization of a project implies? There are many implications these days on the server side. I will only focus on that. Happy to discuss many other topics. But 10 years ago, when we started the company, Nobody would care about the data. Oh, and nobody would care about privacy. Uh, now, it is begin beginning to be a very, very important issue for, for users, everybody in the street. And you have now to be able to comply to local laws. Uh, you have a privacy law in California, which is pretty strict. And we helped one of our clients to, to launch a game on Apple Arcade. And our source code had to be reviewed full-fledged by Apple to make sure that we don't do anything related to privacy with, with our software. And 
you have laws in China that tells you to do this. Uh, you have laws in Korea where you cannot play online multiplayer games between midnight and six in the morning. In the US, you have a COPA law, which is very strict regarding what kind of information you can you can have on kids. And same in in、um, in European Union, you have a law which is between twelve and sixteen. You cannot do everything with the data of your user, and you cannot track, and you cannot keep the data and everything. And that's just the law. So you have to be able to comply with the law. But on the server side, what it means is maybe for some when you launch in one given country, you will have to have the data stored in a given country. Nobody knows. Maybe in five years from now, Italy will say, "Oh, all the data related to the Italian customers have to be stored in Italy," and you don't know. So the whole point is. It's not the internet as we've we've known for the last twenty twenty years. It's fairly different, and you have to take that into account. You have to understand what is going on and what could happen, and what it means in terms of handling the data of, the, of your users. And it can be fairly simple on the game side. We don't have any data regarding the the, the privacy of the user. We have a username. We don't have a、um, phone number. We don't have an email. We don't care if you're a player,、uh, player one one two 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 from India. That's all I know from you. I don't care who you are. I just say, oh, you have ten thousand points and you're level two hundred. Who cares? But that's that's not that's very important because you can play and you, you can have access to many games without giving away any private information. Whereas when you do location-based services, for instance, when you have the address of the user or its location or the The history of its location, then you start to have questions you have to ask yourself. And so, on that, every single app developer or game developer has to think at least a little bit of what they're going to do on the international side. And so, is that something that at Extra Life you handle for the developer, or thinking about that international side, or that you do with them? How does that work? We make sure that we comply with everything possible as we know it and as we anticipate. And obviously, having data split by territory, for instance, or making sure you have, if you have age requirement, that it's stored properly and accessible properly, is very important. So we do have that knowledge, and we do help our clients with that. Obviously, one of the big thing that you said in the intro was for games that you know are slightly different in app, and that you can have a, a surge of user that's super quick. Like, how do you guys handle it in Extra Life to provide that scaling and still keep your prices reasonably low? From what I remember, so we have two main model where we have a SaaS model where everything is stored on our servers and everything, and it scale. It's auto scales actually, so we can we can go from one million user to one hundred million users very easily because it automatically adds some server software databases. Replication and so on and so forth. Everything is handled on that, but that's where a lot of our clients are, are getting away from because they, most of the clients that are very serious, know they have to own the data and they have to store that in their own environment. Even bare metal or at least is something that they have their own、uh, hands on. And in a lot of countries, you, the publisher has to own the data and own the servers. And for that, we do custom install. On on our client servers, actually, it's the same ID. It has to auto scale 
So you can have an overnight success and it will be uh, scaling the same way. And actually, our pricing structure is very simple. I like to make it easy to understand for people. <laughs> business 101. Well, the, the whole the business 101, but Amazon, when, you, when you're setting up a server on Amazon, they cost you by request. And how many requests will you have? You don't really know. And how will it work? And, and so on and so forth. At the end of the day, you are never able to anticipate your Amazon bill or your Azure bill or your Google Cloud bill. This is, this is every single month is your surprise. Our business model is very simple. I work on, on uh, levels of users. So from zero to 100,000, from 100 to 200,000, and then to 1 million and 2 million and 3 million. And my point is, if you don't have to make money with 1 million active users per month, this is not my problem. This is your problem. So you're saying below 1 million user is free and... We, we have for in on our shared infrastructure yes be, below 1 million uh, users it's free per month yeah if you have 1 million user then you should at least make a little bit of money well you should and you should definitely think of what you have to do with your infrastructure and product and in in the long run and taking a project off the ground is is probably the more difficult but when you when you've taken off the ground, then you say, oh, wait, but my data is stored in where? Uh, I don't really know AWS is maybe in North Carolina, and then where is, and so on and so forth. So if you have the luxury to think about all this prior to launch, it's great. You're in a much better position. But if you, if you end up being successful because one of your 20 projects is working, then uh, you have to try to react as fast as possible. We're actually at the end of the list of questions I had for you. If our listeners want to learn more about Extra Life and about backend services that you provide, where can they go? They can go on our website, extralife.cloud, and they can reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, fairly easily. The, the other thing we, we haven't discussed yet, maybe is important, is open source software. Because our own system is proprietary, but is built out of open source software. So you have full access when you're one of our clients, you have full access of the code that you can have Apple reviewed, for instance, and you have full access of the data and how it works. And we work with MongoDB and Elasticsearch and very regular product. A lot of, a lot of um, engineers know you're not tied to us in a way. <laughs> I truly believe that if you say, oh, but I'm not using that software because I don't know what it does and I'm going to build it myself because it's going to be open and, and I will know exactly what it's going to do, then, well, it's the same with us. You don't have to rebuild it because you're going to have to end up having the same functionality and the same visibility and the same openness with that. Because again, the value of, value of, of what you're building is not the software, it's the service. True, true. Awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for those precisions on your product. Thanks again for joining me, Vandria. And I hope you have a good day and maybe we'll chat again later. Thanks for listening to the Mobile App Makers podcast. I'm Olivier Destrebeck. You can find more info on building mobile apps at mobileappmakers.chat.